dedicate tonight's program with a prayer to His Holiness Bhakti True Swami. My dear Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, if you so desire, please make Bhakti True Maharaj's body healthy so that he can give us at least another two and two and a half decades of his association. We need him more than he needs us. Thank you for considering our request. Hare Krishna. Let's say a few more words about Bhaktivinoda Thakur because when we remember Bhaktivinoda Thakur, when we worship the previous acharyas, then we get strength to perform devotional service. We also learn great lessons that we can live by because acharya means one who teaches by example. So I'll take a few of the points that Bhaktivinoda Thakur left so prominently behind that are simple points, but if we follow any of these three points, we'll be successful in our practice of devotional service. If we follow all three of them, then we'll be supremely successful. So the first one, I'd like to look at a verse from the fourth canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam. If you have any questions or comments, you can post them to our new portal. High tech. Oh, which means I got to click on that button. Do I have that? I must have it somewhere. I'll keep it from now on safe. ISV library live questions. Got it. Okay. Now, fourth canto. Shut parito yatadina Sarameyo graham graham Sharan vindati yadishtam Dandam odanam eva va Tata jiva Uchavacha patabraman Uparyato va madyeva yati dishtam priyapriyam shut parita overcome by hunger yata as dina poor saramiya a dog griham from one's house griham to another house charan wandering vindati receives yat whose dishtam according to destiny Dandam, punishment. Odanam, food. Eva, certainly. Va, or tata, similarly. Kama, ashraya, pursuing different types of desires. Jiva, the living entity. Ucha, high. Avacha, low. Pata, on a path. Brahman, wandering. Upari, high. 
ada lo. You get the sense, right? Brahman upadi ada, wandering high and low. Va or madhye in the middle. Va or yati goes forward. Dishtam according to destiny. Priya pleasing, apriya non, not pleasing. The living entity is exactly like a dog who, overcome with hunger, goes from door to door for some food. According to his destiny, he sometimes receives punishment and is driven out, and at other times receives a little food to eat. Similarly, the living entity, being influenced by so many desires, wanders in different species of life according to destiny. Sometimes he is high and sometimes he is low. Sometimes he goes to the heavenly planets, sometimes to hell, sometimes to the middle planets, and so on. Srila Prabhupada's purport. The living entity's position is herein likened to a dog's. By chance, a dog may have a very rich owner, and by chance, he may become a street dog. As the dog of a rich man, he will live very opulently. Sometimes in Western countries, we hear of a master leaving millions of dollars to a dog in his will. Of course, there are many dogs loitering in the street without food. Therefore, to liken the conditional existence of the living entity to that of a dog is very appropriate. An intelligent human being, however, can understand that if he has to live the life of a dog, he had best become Krishna's dog. In the material world, a dog is sometimes elevated and sometimes on the street. But in the spiritual world, Krishna's dog is perpetually, eternally happy. Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur has therefore sung Vaishnava Thakur Tomar Kukur Bholiya Janaha More. In this way, Bhaktivinoda Thakur offers to become a Vaishnava's dog. A dog always keeps himself at his master's door and does not allow any person unfavorable to the master to enter. Similarly, one should engage in the service of a Vaishnava and try to please him in every respect. Unless one does so, he does not make spiritual advancement. Apart from spiritual advancement in the material world, if one does not develop his qualities and goodness, he cannot be promoted to the higher planetary system, as confirmed by Bhagavad Gita 14.18. Uddhvam gachanti sattva sta madhye tishtanti rajasa jaganya gunavrittista adogachanti tamasa those situated in the mode of goodness gradually go upward to the higher planets. Those in the mode of passion live on the earthly planets, and those in the mode of ignorance go down to the hellish worlds. There are many varieties of life in the different planetary systems, and these come about due to the living entities developing his qualities in goodness, passion, and ignorance. If one is in goodness, he is promoted to the higher systems. If in passion, he remains in the middle systems, and if in ignorance, he is pushed down to lower species of life. Just go back up to the top of the purport, if you will. So, this is the situation of anyone who comes into the material world that 
there's no shelter and no matter what situation I have now, there can be an upsurge in the modes of nature and I'll be disturbed from my situation. This happens regularly in the material world, or I should say irregularly, irregularly enough so that we don't know when it's coming. We just know that it is coming. And we're dependent on many different entities in the material world. Deha patra kalatra deshu atma saini sasatsapi tesham pramatonidhanam pashanapi napashyati. Although we see that none of these are giving us actual shelter, we ignore it and go on trying to find shelter somewhere in the material world. Therefore, very commonsensically, Prabhupada is showing the simple logic that if you're going to be a dog anyway and having to beg, then best if you become Krishna's dog. And Bhaktivinotakura gives this advice. It's so simple. And for those who are feeling the pinch of the material world, or even those who aren't, but they become intelligent by understanding what their existential position actually is, such persons will beg to become a dog of a Vaishnav. And this is the sum and substance of Vaishnavism. Take shelter of a Vaishnav. As Gopi Paranadana Prabhu used to say, it's not what you know that's important, it's who you know. And when we come to know a Vaishnav and we're able to take shelter of the Vaishnav, then we find security. Because the Vaishnav is one who has taken shelter of Krishna. As Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, Mahatmanas Tumam Partha Daivim Prakritim Ashrita Vajantyananya Manaso Gyatva Bhutatim Avyam. Definition of a great soul or a Vaishnav is Ashrita under the Daiva Prakriti. The internal potency has no more interest in the material world but only takes shelter under Krishna. And if we find someone like that and we take shelter, then we're properly situated. And Prabhupada used to give the example which you can test out for yourself works in any part of the world at any time. And that is, if you want to become endeared to somebody, even a big person, just love that person's dog. Love me, love my dog. As I've mentioned before in these classes, I've tried this. In my neighborhood, dogs are very popular. And when people go out to walk their dog, all I have to say is, nice dog. If I went up to them and said, I think you're very nice, they would probably flee thinking that I was 
preparing to murder them or something. But if I say nice dog, then there's a, a, a there's a place for me in their heart immediately. So Krishna says in the Adi Purana, one who says he's my devotee is not my devotee, but one who says he's the devotee of my devotee becomes my devotee. And this is the secret that Bhaktivinoda Thakur teaches in his Bhajan, Vaishnava Thakur, Tomar Kukur Bhalia Janaha More. He says that I'll become the dog of a Vaishnava and I won't live in the house, I'll live on the back porch. And whatever scraps the Vaishnava and his associates throw over the edge, that's what I'll have. They'll leave me some scraps from their food. This is something that Narada Muni mentions when he describes how he became a perfect being. He was staying with his mother as a five-year-old child should. And sages came for not just one season, not just the rainy season, but for two seasons. They were obviously comfortable in that house and were intrigued with the precocious um, nature of Narada as a little boy who served them along with his mother. And he says, does Narada to his disciple Vyasadeva, once by their permission, I took the remnants of their food. And by hearing from them, taking the remnants, meaning just like a dog takes the scraps, that feeling is there. Then he said, my heart, my life began to change. Of course, later on, after this lifetime, Narada attained perfection by the mercy of the Vaishnavas. So this is the first lesson that is also taught by Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu when he's teaching Sanatana Goswami as the devotional service starts by service to the Vaishnavas. It's maintained by service to the Vaishnavas and is perfected by service to the Vaishnavas. And it's an eternal principle. Therefore, one should serve Vaishnavas and be very careful not to make offenses to the Vaishnavas. As mentioned, and we discussed this recently, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu taught Sanatana Goswami five of the, of the most effective forms of devotional service. He said these five are so wonderful and so powerful that it's difficult to describe them. Worshipping the deity, living in the holy dham, chanting the holy names, association with devotees, and hearing Srimad Bhagavatam. And he says, if you are not offensive, means don't offend devotees, if you touch any of these five, even if you don't have faith in them, but you're not offensive, then they will give their full potency to you. So if one can simply get through this life without offending Vaishnavas and try to serve the Vaishnavas to the best of one's ability, one will attain perfection in life by simply doing the simple things like chanting Hare Krishna, hearing Srimad Bhagavatam. This takes building a fence, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, around your creeper. 
In Vrindavan, when we go in Govardhan Parikrama, we see that anytime someone plants a, a tree, they have to cover it three times with special wire because there are all kinds of living entities there that would like to have it as a snack. The cows will come, the monkeys will come, everyone comes and wants to eat the tree. And so for it to survive and make it to the point where it can stand, withstand a few nibbles here and there in a big, bigger tree, there has to be a fence around it. So one of the principles behind becoming the dog of a Vaishnava is being very careful not to make offenses to Vaishnavas as a principle. Don't um, speak ill of Vaishnavas and also especially don't put it in writing and especially don't put it on the internet for any reason. So this is the first principle. Take shelter of a Vaishnav the way the dog takes shelter of a master. We're already in a situation that is described by Srimad Bhagavatam as being dog-like, wandering here and there, begging for scraps, wherever we can be taken in. Sometimes someone lets us in, sometimes they kick us away, sometimes we get millions of dollars in inheritance, and other times we're left with a broken rickshaw and we can barely earn a rupee a day. So... <clears throat> Once one takes shelter of a Vaishnav, then all opulence comes into one's life. So this is the first principle. The second principle I would like to bring out is in the song Jeev Jago. So we'll look at the translation to that song. Here Bhaktivinoda Thakur gives this secret where he says, Nhi Ashodi Mai Nashri Nashi Bharulagi Harina Mahamantra Lao Tumi Magi. Magi means to beg. And he gives us this instruction that you should beg for the holy name. Here the translation says, pray, beg is better. I pray, you had it. That's good. Stay there. It says, now pray for this Harinam, but Magi means to beg. So beggars give up all their sense of being something special and they submit themselves to groveling so that someone will have pity on them. Most of the beggars sort of fake that countenance that I'm downtrodden. Somewhere they have a stash and they're not doing that bad. But if we realize our actual situation in life and then beg, it will be very effective. And I want to read to you the mood of the beggar. And this comes in the beginning of Bhaktivinotakur Sharanagati. Here he writes, in Amara Jivana, 
you could switch back to the main screen. My life is ever given to sin. In it, there's not a particle of good. I have caused others great anxiety. I have troubled all souls. For the sake of my own enjoyment, I have never hesitated to perform sinful acts. Devoid of all compassion, I am concerned only with my selfish interests. Perpetually speaking lies, I become dejected upon seeing others happy, whereas the misery of others is a source of great delight for me. There are limitless material desires within the core of my heart. I am wrathful, fond of exhibiting arrogance, intoxicated by vanity, and bewildered by worldly affairs. I wear the cherished ornaments of envy and egotism. Ruined by laziness and sleep, I resist all pious deeds. Yet I am very enthusiastic to perform wicked acts. For the sake of worldly fame and reputation, I engage in the practice of deceitfulness. I am victimized by my own greed, being always lustful. A vile, wicked man such as this, rejected by godly people, is a constant offender, devoid of all good works, forever inclined toward evil. He is worn out and wasted by various miseries. Now in old age, deprived of all means of relief, thus humbled and poor, Bhaktivinod submits his tale of grief at the feet of the Supreme Lord. This is the mood of one situated in dainya, or utter humility seeing oneself as downtrodden. And it is one of the symptoms that Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu tells Sanatana Goswami indicates that one is developing bhava, which is the point at which the heart begins to soften. No more hard-heartedness. The heart must soften in order to feel the mellows of love for Krishna. And that process means softening the heart. Along with that comes this sense that I am a very lowly person. Even though Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said such a person is becoming more and more qualified, it's not that such a person has low self-esteem and becomes self-centered and depressed. That why doesn't why don't more people appreciate me? Why am I left out? I, 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 in this, I need to be in the center, otherwise I'm feeling dejected. Quite the contrary, such a person becomes invigorated in service, but internally is feeling that I am actually a very small person, small-minded, with, without very admirable qualities. This dainya awakens proportionately to our advancement in devotional service. 
And Narada Muni in the Brihat Bhagavatam Rita says that prema and dainya are inseparable. As one advances, the other advances as well. So in the mood that Bhaktivinotakura has expressed, one who feels that I have nothing, or as Queen Kunti says in her prayer, Janmaishvarya Shruta Shribir Edamanamadapuman Naivarhat Yavidatum Vai Twamakinshanagocharam. I don't want to be touched by any of these ideas, she says, that I have something. I'm great because I actually look good. I'm great because, well, I come from a really good family. I know so many things more than others. Janma Aishvarya, I have wealth. Instead, she said, these are odious. They're a kind of poison. And instead, she takes shelter and begs for this mood that Tom Akinshanagocharam, that I have nothing. I didn't get anything. I wasn't smart enough to put my hand out, my cup, to even get a drop from the association of devotees. I'm completely bereft. Nothing. I have nothing. I am nothing. In such a mood, crying out to Krishna, saying his holy name, please give me your shelter and please give me some service. Please give me some place in your sangha amongst the Vaishnavas. Let me be the servant of the servant of the servant. This lesson Bhaktivinoda Thakur teaches us in this song and elsewhere. Enechi ashauri maya nashi bharalagi harina mahamantra lao tumi magi this medicine is very, very powerful, but he said to get it, you have to beg for it. And if you are in the mood, then the medicine will come and will completely cure the disease. And one, even in this lifetime, can attain perfection in devotional service. The third lesson he teaches us is in the song Arunadaya Kirtan, Kirtan, which is meant for singing at dawn when you go door to door to wake everybody up in your neighborhood, which was probably a, a fun thing we could do now while everyone's staying home. At the very last verse, Nam Vina Kichu Nahiko Ara Chauda Bhuvanamaji. He writes, you see the last line there? There is nothing but the holy name within all the 14 worlds. This is a happy revelation because it's so hard to get anything in this world and when I get it, I can't keep it. And there's a reason for that. It's because none of it belongs to me. And whatever I get slips through my fingers. But the holy name is coming to us as a friend. And as Gajendra says in his prayers, 
the Lord is never inattentive. He's always waiting for us to turn our attention towards him. And the moment that we do that, he'll reciprocate in kind. Krishna says in Gita that I reward the devotee according to his or her surrender to me. So it's very frustrating to be attracted to many things in this world because we can't keep them in order. They keep sliding out of order and they keep sliding out of style. I get something, it goes out of style. Now I have to get something else. You buy a house, it starts to degrade. You buy a, house, a car, it'll start to degrade. You get a body, it'll start to degrade. Everything falls apart. It's very frustrating. And Krishna says in the Gita, Vyavasyatmika Buddhir, Ekiha Kurunandana, Bahushaka Hyanantascha Buddhayo Vyavasayinam. If you don't have a single purpose in life which is accurate, which points towards the Supreme Personality of Godhead, then you're going to go after all these things. You're going to be completely frustrated. So Bhaktivinoda Thakur gives us the answer. He says there's nothing but the holy name to be had in all the three worlds. When I first heard that, I had to read it several times. <laughs> How could that be? There's nothing else to be had in the 14 worlds except for the holy name. Because there's no difference between Krishna and his name. And if we serve Krishna by chanting Hare Krishna, we'll experience that, as Prabhupada writes in one of his purports, we've synchronized all the energies of the universe. They're in one place because Krishna is the source of all of them. So this is the third tip he gives us. Keep in mind that this is our main objective in life. Krishna, no. Krishna's holy name. Krishna's holy name is our eternal savior. He's come as an incarnation and he is the only refuge for everyone in the Kali Yuga age. So re remember the holy name, chant the holy name, always call out to Krishna, apana samsritim goran, yanama vivashogranad, those in samsritim, those caught in the wheel of birth and death, samsritim, I'm being dragged from one body to the next. How can I get out of it? The holy name. Any danger, and there's danger at every step in the material world, can be overcome by the holy name. Any desire that I have, it's always fulfilled by the holy name. We don't chant the holy name to fulfill any desire, but we should know in the back of our mind that if I try to fulfill my desire, it won't be fruitful. But if I simply take shelter of the holy name and consider it my only property, that it's the only place to put my attention, then naturally all desires will be fulfilled or they will be quelled by my chanting of the holy name, because vishaya vinivartante nirahara sadehina rasavarjam rasopyasya 
Param Drishva Navartate will see something that's so amazing that it'll make everything in this world seem in, insignificant. All of the proceedings in, here in this world, which seem so consequential, the epidemics, the pandemics, the various governmental systems that come and go, they all seem like playthings, insignificant, nothing, compared to the all-merciful, all-powerful, all-beautiful holy name. And if one can get a taste of that, sitting in one's corner of one's living room, chanting with attention, sitting on a park bench, going for a walk and chanting while remembering that the holy name and Krishna are non-different, sitting for hours trying to chant and get a taste, whatever way one can, if one can get that experience that there's nothing else to be had but the holy name, that becomes the most wealthy person in the world. Everyone else is simply chasing after a mirage. But those who have realized the importance of the holy name and have this feeling that there's nothing else to be had and nothing else that I want, such a person is self-satisfied, self-controlled, all good qualities will emanate from that person because of his or her association with the holy name. Vasudeva Bhagavati Bhakti Yoga Prayojita Janayat Yashuvaira Gyam Gyanam Chayyarahaitukam. By direct devotional service to the Lord, one naturally gets the concomitant benefits of knowledge and detachment from the world. So these three lessons Bhaktivinoda Thakur gives us, they're so simple. But if we can remember them every day and aspire for them, and that is, be the dog of a Vaishnav. Keep shelter under a Vaishnav. Serve Vaishnavs. Number two, beg for the holy name. Don't be proud. Don't already have something. Don't be preoccupied by something else. Be bereft of everything else. And put your hand out. Put your little cup out. Put a little bowl. Something put out there. And say, please, Krishna, I've never tasted this. Please, could I have one molecule, just one molecule? You have to beg and beg and beg and beg and keep asking. And the third is to remember that there's nothing else to be had in the 14 worlds except the holy name. That's a Vaishnav, and that's Nishta, that's fixity. In the practice of spiritual life, is to have no other concern because one knows that I already have everything in the holy name. I don't have to go anywhere. I don't have to buy anything else. All I have to do is be fully dedicated to the service of the holy name by repeating my prescribed number of rounds and more and by distributing the holy name to as many people as possible. Bhaktivinoda Thakur 
gave us these, these three lessons in his bhajans. So we can serve Bhaktivinoda Thakur by remembering these simple principles. And by our example, we can show others the efficacy of devotional service if we're situated in them. Hare Krishna. Now let's just see what's happening here on the question board. Here we go with Anonymous checked in. Good to see you again, Anonymous. How to have the mood of a Kinshina Gocharan? It seems easy, easier said than done. As soon as we get some success or some recognition or some opulence, we do feel we do feel we know better than others. We start feeling privileged or superior or at least better. How can we genuinely implement this mood? It helps if you can find a, a person that you respect that will chastise you. There's nothing like a little bit of chastisement from an advanced devotee to sober you up. Woe be to the person who doesn't have some kind of senior association of somebody who will tell them that they're not doing it right. So try to put yourself under the care of some mentor somewhere who will straighten you out, say you did that wrong and be open to it. Don't be puffed up to think I know better than the Vaishnavs. And even if a a Vaishnav that you think is lower than you tells you something. You should take it to heart. Try to take instruction. Uh, Mayank says, here's a power phrase, everything material goes out of style. And chase for taste, be a beggar. Krishna Bhakti Ras Bhavitamati. Hey, good one, Srivata. Krishna Bhakti Ras Bhavito Mati Kriyatam Yadi Krito Pilabhyate Tatalalyam Apimulyam Ekalam Janmakoti Sukritirna Labhyate Rupa Goswami gives this, again, these teachings are very, very simple, but so, so profound. It has to do with our attitude. He says that if you become very greedy for devotional service and then you chased after it, he said, don't hesitate, go after it now. As soon as you know it's available, you should not wait. You should take it. Even Prahlad Maharaj was telling his classmates when he was five, year old, five years old, Komara acharet pragno dharmam bhagavatam miha durlabam manasan janmad tarapya dhruvam artadam. He said, it doesn't matter you're five years old. You go for it now. Don't listen to these people. They say, oh, you wait till you're older. You first go through life and experience all the fun things, forget that. There's no fun things in this world. Hey, I hate to sound so, <laughs> but we can see that <laughs> right now. Um, yes, we have to be, uh, we have to be eager for it. So eager that it's called lullium or greedy for it. I can tell Manjula Kanta is ready to ask a question. Actually, no, Mars, it's a lot to it's a lot to absorb. What you've given us today is, is such a nice guideline. And you keep telling us, uh, you've, you've repeated it many, many times, but you've just brought it all together with Bhaktivinoda Thakur today. 
But I was just sitting there thinking, you know, that sometimes everything sounds so simple till you put it into practice. And then you kind of struggle with the concept. So uh, I, I, I was really thinking that about the statement that we should beg for the holy name, that we should really understand that we don't have it. And when we do get it, it's all we ever need. But then we always seem to feel like we need something more. I, I have the weeds, I have my voice and I'm, I'm working, but a little bit more. Why is that? Why is that we want a little bit more when we have it? Why don't you lead us in a simple prayer right now? We'll repeat after you. And begging the Lord for the mercy of his holy name. You say it and we'll repeat it. And just say from your heart, based on what you just said, that you feel like, oh, how could I get that? I don't want to tell you what to say, but just the mood of it. You say we'll repeat. And don't worry about making it perfect. Just the mood, it has to be there. My dear Lord, please give me the strength to search for that deep, deep support that I get from your holy name. Help me realize that there is nothing else in this world but the sweet taste of your holy name on my lips. My dear Lord, let me not search here and there for that which does not exist, for I already have you in my hands and I am unwilling to accept. Please give me the strength. Please give me the vision. Please help me so I may stay on the path and come back home to you. Thank you for considering my request. Thank you for considering my that was more like a bhajan. <laughs> that was very good. Now just say that one every day. That's what it means to beg. Either say your own prayer or find one from a Vaishnav that, that you know is already a liberated soul. And just keep saying it, asking Krishna over and over again for this. And try not to drift into Niyamagraha, which is I'm just saying it because I say it and I forgot the feeling behind it. Put the feeling behind it. Really, you know, I was thinking this morning that actually bhakti is about, about managing our emotions more than anything else. We already have the emotions for Krishna. We just have to manage them. They're, they're just pointed in the wrong direction. And if you manage them properly and you, you channel your emotions towards Krishna, Krishna will respond. That's what he keeps saying in the Bhagavad Gita. So I'm here. Teisham satata yuktanam bhajitam pritipurvakam. Do bhajan. Bhajan isn't some mechanical thing. It's not being some fancy singer. Bhajan means that you adopt these three principles and you say, Krishna, I don't have anything else. I, you know, I'm, I'm washed up. I'm done. And I don't have anybody else, any other source but you. Instead of channeling it to a movie star and instead of channeling it to the worldly association in any of its forms, just channel a little bit to Krishna. And he says in the Gita, if you just give me one tiny little sign that you want your emotions to go to me, patram pushmam palam toyam, just pick up a leaf somewhere and say, Krishna, this is for you. Then he says, I'll taste that. He'll eat it, he says, Ashnami. I'll eat that. that. He's eating it because it was offered with love and devotion. And that's bhakti. You have to manage your emotions. And that's what, that's what Kunti is saying when she says, let my emotions be constantly drawn to you. 
let them be cut off from the other places. This is managing emotions. Ooh, more questions are coming in. Thank you very much, Manjula Kanta, for always being ready. Okay, well, contemplating my daily reading, I feel I am not assimilating the content. How can I assimilate the books? How do you know you're not assimilating it? Okay, well, let me give you some practical points. One is to teach it. You have to stand and deliver. Start uh, teaching a speaking Bhagavatam to others. You're a very uh, studious person. And the more you can uh, arrange times that you can teach this to other people, they're dying to hear it. They want to hear Bhagavatam. And not just Indians, everybody, they want to hear it. So make some time to teach. You'll see it's all in there. There's a lot more in there than you think. And so don't, don't feel that you're not getting it. And hearing takes a long time. You hear for long periods of time, then you'll be surprised that sometimes it takes a while to catch up to you. And then you'll notice that, wow, maybe I overdosed. Now I'm too Krishna conscious. I can't even stay in the world anymore. <laughs> I took too much of this stuff. <laughs> so that helps. And also, um, just when you're, when you're listening, try to relate the material. Think about it carefully. When you're, when you're listening, try to relate what Prabhupada's saying in his purports to what's going on in the world and what's going on in your life. Just be attentive. Second, Gopal Champu. Hare Krishna. How do we avail ourselves and fully take advantage of good association? Sometimes it may seem, despite being around advanced devotees and association, one might miss the point. One thing I've noticed is if, if you are eager to hear from advanced devotees, they'll notice it. And advanced devotees have a lot to offer and they want to offer it. And if you become a willing hearer, and you're very submissive and also surface-oriented, Krishna tells the formula in the Bhagavad Gita, what he says, Three things that you should make a, a, a little bracelet out of. Three jewels. A pranipat, you should be very um, humble before uh, advanced devotees. You should be humble before any devotees. In fact, you should be humble before everybody. But especially great Vaishnavas, Rupa Goswami, in his teachings about how to associate with devotees, says that Krishnati Yasagiritam Manasadriyeta, etc. He gives this gradation that in your mind you should offer obeisances to those who say Hare Krishna. Uh, you should bodily offer obeisances to those who are taking, who have taken Diksha. And to those who are advanced, you should uh, really uh, not be, just be demonstrative, but you should be active in their service and trying to do, do something for them. And then he says, then you should inquire and you should serve. And also, I've found that it helps. One of the things to beg for when you beg the holy name is to beg for advanced association. 
because there's nothing more important for advancement in devotional service and getting good association. And if you beg for it and you prepare for it, then when it comes, you'll be able to take advantage of it. And Krishna does send good association to those who sincerely want to advance. That's the main way that we make advancement. Dhanavari says, how do we understand Vishaya Vinivartante Shloka in practical way? Would you please explain with examples? One day I was distributing books in New York City outside the New York Public Library with my friend Prem Kishore. We had a big table set up. New York was teeming with tourists. There was a European family, very well-dressed, hot Saturday afternoon. They were walking down the street, obviously on vacation. They had two young kids, probably seven and 10 years old. And they both had huge ice cream cones. The man bought a, a, a Bhagavad Gita. And then Prem Kishore, as he always did, had Maha Sweets Burfi from Shishi Radha Govinda. He, had, he always kept it in a box. And he'd open the box, these big chunks of Burfi. And then he'd hand them to people, which I always thought was, wow, how will they, you know, I mean, nowadays during the pandemic, if somebody sees you, your hand touches you. But he had no uh, compunction about doing that. He would hand the, hand the, and it seemed like people would just take from him. So he went up after, after these, um, the man had bought the book, then he brought out his plastic box full of burfis, maha burfi, and he handed one to each of the kids. Simultaneously, as he handed them the burfi and they tasted it, they both dropped their ice cream cones into the garbage can that was right there and fully concentrated on the burfi. And I thought that was the nicest uh, visual example of Vishayai Venivartande. <laughs> you know, who, what kid drops an ice cream cone? But when they got Maha Prashadam from a devotee that was from right off the Mangal Artik sweet platter in the morning, something in them just dropped it. So when we can feel that association and the nectar, when I first joined the Christian Conscious Movement, I remember going on traveling Sankirtan down to San Diego from San Francisco with my friend Banabata. He had a brand new van. And... Uh, we had the latest technology in that van, which was a cassette recorder in the van. And not just any cassette recorder, it had automatic turnover, which means you didn't have to pull the tape out. I should tell all of you what a cassette recorder is. <laughs> it actually had a tape inside and it had a little, it was a little square thing with two holes and run it on reels, kids. I hope you don't think I'm crazy here, but it actually existed. And you put it in a little machine and then you push the button and it would go all the way to the end. And then you have to either rewind it or you pull it out, turn it over manually and then start it again. If technology just came out that it would automatically flip to the other side and go the other way. We were in this van listening to these uh, Delhi Pandal Kirtans. They're, they've just come back and come out of India, different bhajans, and we were flying high out on Sankirtan. And we got down to San Diego, and there was a couple of swamis there that were um, holding Mangal Artik. 
up in the um, in the small temple room they had then. And I went up there. We went up there for the Mangalartik, and it was just kind of dark. They had a picture, and the and we were doing the Mangalartik, and I just I just experienced wow. There's nothing better than this. Hey, look, there's a tape. <laughs> Thank you, Radhakripa Prabhu, for showing Exhibit A. But I can remember feeling like, I, how fortunate to be part of Lord Chaitanya's movement. It felt like some secret that nobody else knew in the world. We were up there in that little room at 4.30 in the morning, jumping up and down, singing before Panchatattva, the picture. And I, it just... I, there was nowhere else in the world I want to be. And when you feel that in devotional service, there's nowhere else you want to be. That's Vishaya Vinivartante. So get that. And then um, uh, Sunita, chanting a, in a deeper consciousness with a desire to connect with the Lord will someday soften our hard heart and we will become humble enabling us to beg. Yes, it's a reflection. Thank you. Amit uh, says, how can one practice detachment while chanting the holy names? The main detachment is to, to, to uh, discipline oneself from distraction. Make sure to, um, if you're distracted by your uh, cell phone, then nowadays you can buy a, a lockbox that has a timer on it. And you put it in the, in the box and then you set the timer and it won't open for you or anybody else and then chant your rounds. And this is a measure that, that you can take in order to uh, experience detachment. If you do that, then Krishna will reward you with some one-pointed attention. A reflection from Pramila. Uh, I like the point where you mentioned beg for the holy name, fully dedicated to the service of the holy name, I da daily beg Krishna, he is my life. Hare Krishna. Uh, then Janaki. Hare Krishna, thank you for the class. Thank you for the nice class. Thank you for saying so. How can we uproot the fault-finding tendency from the heart? Well, first of all, we should become aware that it's there. And second of all, we should take the advice of the uh, of Lord Chaitanya and the advanced devotees that we should avoid it. And so just as if you know you have some kind of ailment, you're careful not to exacerbate your situation by doing things that make it worse. So if you see that it's there, then follow the advice that your mother gave you. And what did she tell you? If you don't have anything good to say, then somebody finish it. Say don't say anything. Hey, Lakshmi Vaughn, tell us what your mom said. She said, say nothing at all. Yeah, exactly. If you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything at all. Just practice what your, what your mama told you. And if you do that, yes, Shraddha. Nothing. Okay. And uh, Radha Priya says, how do we handle our emotions? Well, what I said was manage our emotions, which is a little more active than handling, perhaps, or they're in the same realm. Handling emotions means 
directing them to Lord Krishna. And I'll give you an example. One moment. In the first canto, Um, chapter 8 we have this prayer by Kunti Devi prayers that is but the prayer I'm going to um, bring your attention to may answer your question and herein she says to Lord Krishna. You can tell I'm stalling, right? Um, just now coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there it is, number 41. 1841. She says, Ata vishvesha vishvatman, vishvamurte sukeshume, sneha pasham imam chindi, ridham pandushu, vishnushu. O Lord of the universe, soul of the universe, O personality of the form of the universe, please therefore sever my tie of affection for my kinsmen, the Pandavas and the Vishnis. Prophet's purport. A pure devotee of the Lord is ashamed to ask anything in self-interest from the Lord, but the householders are sometimes obliged to ask favors from the Lord, being bound by the tie of family affection. Srimati Kunti Devi was conscious of this fact, and therefore she prayed to the Lord to cut off the affectionate tie from her own kinsmen, the Pandavas and the Vishnis. The Pandavas are her own sons, and the Vishnis are the members of her paternal family. Krishna was equally related to both the families, but the families required the Lord's help because they were dependent devotees of the Lord. Srimati Kunti Devi wished Sri Krishna to remain with her sons, the Pandavas, but by his doing so, her paternal house would be bereft of the benefit. All these particular particularities, excuse me, excuse me, all these partialities troubled the mind of Kunti and therefore she desired to cut off the affectionate tie. A pure devotee cuts off the limited ties of affection for his family and widens his activities of devotional service for all forgotten souls. The typical example is the band of six Goswamis who followed the path of Lord Chaitanya. All of them belong to the most enlightened and cultured rich families of the higher castes but for the benefit of the mass of population, they left their comfortable homes and became mendicants. To cut off all family affection means to broaden the field of activities. Without doing this, no one can be qualified as a brahmana, a king, a public leader, a public leader, or a devotee of the Lord. The personality of Godhead as an ideal king showed this by example. Sri Ramanuja excuse me, Sri Ramachandra cut off the tie of affection for his beloved wife to maintain the qualities of an ideal king. Such personalities as a brahmana, a devotee, a king, 
or a public leader must be very broad-minded in discharging their respective duties. Srimati Kunti Devi was conscious of this fact, and being weak, she prayed to be freed from such bondage of family affection. The Lord is addressed as the Lord of the universe, the Lord of the universal mind, indicating his all-powerful ability to cut the hard knot of family affection. Therefore, it is sometimes experienced that the Lord, out of his special affinity toward a weak devotee, breaks the family affection by force of circumstances arranged by his all-powerful energy. By doing so, he causes the devotee become, to become completely dependent on him and thus clears the path for his going back home, back to Godhead. This is an example. And as Prabhupada pointed out, there's ways in which for any responsible task that one wants to take in this world, you have to manage your emotions. For instance, there's the fault of nepotism that comes up in public service, oftentimes people have emotions for their family and they say, I have a powerful position, therefore, let me put my uh, people in first. This is wrong uh, because you, you have a conflict of interest. Therefore, you have to manage your emotions and say, no, I will resist this and I'll put somebody else who's qualified in, not my own kith and kin. It won't, it won't look well. In fact, oftentimes there are um, proscriptions that one should not do this. For instance, on certain kinds of boards of directors, it's not allowed uh, to have family members because the, the emotion is so strong in this world that I may misuse it. I may not even know I'm misusing it. I just do it. So you have to manage it yourself by seeing how do I arrange my life in such a way that I'm not being abused by my emotion, not being manipulated by my emotions. And at the same time, one should understand that my emotions, when they are properly directed towards Krishna, and that emotion means that I'm the eternal servant of Krishna, and my only business in life is to serve him. When that emotion becomes thickened more and more. It's called Shraddha. This is my conviction. Shraddha Shabde Bishwas Kohe Suridanashoy Krishna Bhakti Koile Sarva Karma Kritahoy. That the more I manage my emotions and direct them towards service to Krishna, the more light my life becomes perfect. And that is bhakti, actually. It's managing the emotions towards my eternal identity as a servant of Krishna and rest restricting, uh, consciously restricting my emotions from going where they shouldn't go. That was one of the lessons of Bharat Maharaj. He became emotionally attached to a little deer, which was a big mistake because he became a deer in his next life. So don't get attached to squirrels and deer. You can take them as shiksha gurus, but don't start thinking they're your kids, or you may end up as one. Okay, Maras, let's, yes, Shraddha. Yeah, Maras, two things. I have posted a reflection for you to take in the end of the lecture. Okay. And Govind Vashni Prabhu is raising his hand on Zoom for a long time. Who is? Govind Vashni Prabhu. Really? Well, that's our good fortune. Please go ahead. Hare Krishna Prabhu, Denver's Pranam. Uh, thank, thank you for a very practical lecture. 
you know i i have a question with uh, what is going on around nowadays you know especially tied to the bhagavad gita shloka yo mam pashyati sarvatra sarvam cha mai pashyati so a devotee you know looks at everything as lord or at least in a part and parcel of lord now in during this time you know people are losing their jobs uh, you know you know contracts are getting cancelled you know monies are not incoming and all these people are looting the shops and all this going on so how does you know how does a devotee see uh, practically that krishna is actually you know working through them you know how do we how do we relate to this it helps to remember what our purpose is here in the world when we become very rigid in our determination to make a settlement here in the material world everything seems to be a disturbance to that if you have a very um a rigid house sitting on the san andreas fault line when the fault uh moves when the plates shift that at least that's the theory tectonic plate shifting makes some kind of uh, <clears throat> a disturbance through earthquakes if that's what it is then the house gets uh, disturbed to say the least it can actually fall off its foundation and then it seems like a big disaster but if i'm just camped out on the land I don't have a, a rigid house sitting there with a lot invested in it and an earthquake comes it'll be like a curiosity wow that was interesting some energy passed through the earth right now and you'll get up and move to another part of the meadow so the way in which I situate myself in this world philosophically is to will determine the degree to which I'm disturbed by the various shifts of energy that take place in the world these shifts of energy are going on perpetually because of the movement of the three modes of material nature goodness passion and ignorance they're always mixing even the demigods probably said they were sitting in the heavenly planets thinking life is really good until hiranyakashipu showed up and then the news got all the way up there that there's a new sheriff in town and it's not you and hiranyakashipu ruined everything he took away everyone's service he uh contradicted the laws of nature he harassed everyone he prohibited yagya and all that just happened one day when the demigods were going about their work and thought life is good and so if we have a a clear idea about what actually happens in the material world which can be gotten from reading bhagavad gita where krishna says of the whole material world abrahma bhuvana loka punar avartino arjuna mamu peti tu kontia punar janma nividite guess what he says it's happening from the top planet down to the bottom planet <laughs> and then he says what is this place dukha layam it's a place of misery duk means you're out of balance so if you have this kind of vision when things come they come and go and just in uh 
managing our lives on a day-to-day -day basis, uh, we should not think summer all summer. We should think winter during the summer. If during the summer we're thinking life is good, everything's okay, don't you know following that is going to come uh, another winter? But during the winter, what comes next? Spring. After the darkness of night, what comes? The light. The material world's always in flux. And of course, there's always these sayings like it's always darkest before the dawn. And that's true. And these upsurges in material nature are not necessarily bad. If there's a, f a fire in the forest, there's a signboard in the Muir Woods. And it tells about the benefits of a forest fire. When the fire burns down the forest, which looks at the time to be a complete disaster. It says that it gives nourishment to all the plants with the new burnt remnants of the foliage on the ground. And it also opens up the canopy. New growth starts. In fact, there's some kinds of seeds that don't even germinate until they're burned in the fire. And it starts over again. If you come back a little while later, you won't be able to tell the difference. You'll just see a fresh new forest. So really, we have to take shelter of Bhagavad Gita as we're doing our work in the world and not become attached to any particular circumstance. We do our duty. Krishna says, you should be attached to doing your duty, but don't be attached to the fruits. And also don't be attached to not doing your duty. And, and he says, in all circumstances, don't think that things are going to go a particular way. He says that in the 12th chapter of the Gita. So from a very high up point of view, we should, we should see that the material world is always changing. And also that a little change is not going to necessarily be bad. It happens all the time, one way or the other. So uh, Prabhupada used to say that an expert business person makes money whether the market is going up or down. So we have to be adroit while moving around the world and take advantage of whatever situations are upon us, especially by taking shelter of Bhagavad Gita and the vision that we have there and knowing that whatever is going to come to me will come of its own accord. I was thinking of this, I had this mind ex thought experiment the other day. This is the last thing I'll say because we have some uh, announcements to make for the Sankirtan. I, I just want to see if this is a valid thought experiment and get your opinion. Shall I try it? Sure. Okay. All right. Let's just say here in Silicon Valley. A quick question, Prabhuji, just in case. I know you are maybe out of time. But, um, regarding the seventh Goswami for Bhaktivinoda Thakur we are doing, who, who has uh, given the name seventh Goswami? Do you know? There was a, um, uh, it's mentioned in the Sri Bhakti Siddhanta Vaibhav that there was a, a personality who um, was uh, writing about the um, present day Gaudiya Vaishnavism. I think he was a writer in Calcutta and he wrote something and he, he deemed 
Bhaktivinoda Thakur, the seventh Goswami, comparing his work to the work of, of the original six Goswamis. And then it, it obviously caught on. Thank you, Paul. Okay. Shall I try this thought experiment now? Bali, should I go? You listen? Yes, yes, Rosario. Okay, all right, here I go. Yeah. Here in Silicon Valley, we divide up all the money that's here now in Silicon Valley. And we give everyone an equal amount. Now it's not exactly equal, right? Right. Okay, so then we divide it all up and everyone gets an equal amount after we figure out how much money is in Silicon Valley. And we'll be very scientific about the, you know, the boundaries of what's Silicon Valley. And everyone has to get the same amount of money in one year as pe after people go about their, their um, daily lives and business with the same amount of money. Will they end up with the same amount of money at the end of the year? No. Nope. Nope. No. No. No chance. Because everyone has different capabilities and everyone has different karmas. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu told his followers to look out in the world and see that the Lord's filled up the universe with food and money. But every person, even every animal, only gets as much as they're destined to get by their karma. And if, if you get a little more by some destiny, it'll be taken. If you get a little less, if it's not your destiny, you'll get a little more. And Prabhupada puts it in the eighth canto of the Bhagavatam that it's like a court order. He said that's why philanthropy really is spreading Krishna consciousness. It's not about trying to help people with doing superficial philanthropy for the body. He said because karma is like a court order. You have to follow it. And everyone's been given a court order <laughs> to follow. And that's going to happen no matter what kind of well-intentioned philanthropist you are, giving away money, giving away food, giving hotel rooms and things like that. It's still going to shake out according to people's karma. Therefore, devotees consider that the best thing is to help people come to knowledge and understand devotional service, karmani, nirdahati kintucha bhakti bhajan, so that they can overcome the limitations imposed upon them by material nature, specifically karma. Period. Full stop. Thank you very much. Om Tat Sat. Hare Krishna. Now, <laughs> Not to the arm, Armand, not to the arm, Armand.